0: So for those that are out there considering getting into the music business as an entrepreneur, what do you feel like is the most important, I'll call it critical success factor? Where, where do you have to do some process or activity very well to be successful in the industry? Is it is it the work product itself and the creativity around it? Is it marketing? Is it personal brand? Is it financing
1: it's 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 a lot of those things but i would say the biggest thing and it comes down the biggest thing is your brand is what Mm. makes you stand out is you know there are a lot of great musicians out there a lot of great singers a lot of great pianists but i'll be honest with you my album origin that was nominated for best new age album it's a solo piano album, so the Grammy Academy threw it into the Best New Age. I actually didn't even submit for Best New Age. I submitted for Best Contemporary Instrumental, but they moved it into Best New Age. And a lot of solo piano music in general, right, is very ambient, soft, you know, helps you just, it's very, you know, that's, that's the goal of it. That's what it's, a lot of it has always been.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area.
3: And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan.
2: Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved.
3: We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach Levy. As always, joined with me today is Andy McDowell. Andy, good to see you this morning.
0: Good to see you this morning, Zach. And then
3: we also have an esteemed guest, John Burke, with us this morning. John, good to see you.
1: Good to be here. Thank you, guys.
3: Thanks for joining us. So we're excited to get into it. So Andy, pass it over to you. Tell people a little bit about John and his background.
0: Yeah, so full disclosure, John Burke is the music director at my church, which I'll get to in his bio. But he has a fascinating story, and I thought he'd make a great guest for us uh, today on the podcast. So John is a Grammy-nominated composer and pianist from from here in Atlanta. He's released multiple acclaimed instrumental albums, scored for film, theater, and video games, written a musical, and performed at countless events and concerts. In 2016, John's self-released piano album, Oregon, was nominated for the Best New Age Album at the 59th Annual Grammy Awards. John serves as the music director for Christ the King Lutheran Church in Peachtree Corners, Georgia, and plays gigs all over the state. At home, John enjoys a quiet life in the woods with his wife, his uh, toddler son, and two cats, which you can often find on his Instagram and on his Facebook page and so forth about how the cats like to interact with him when he's. <laughs> <laughs> writing his music and <laughs> definitely a cat person. So, so John, once again, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for your time to spend it with today. And as we've discussed before, what we're really interested in is your story as an entrepreneur. You know, obviously being a musician is a big part of that that journey, but often people that start following their passions all of a sudden realize they get halfway through starting it up and realize, oh, I got to do all these business things to keep it legal and make money and put food on the table and roof over head. And that's why I thought it'd be nice for you to come on and tell your compelling story, not only from what you've achieved as a musician and a director and a composer and all that, but also what you've done as a business. So why don't we start at the beginning? Where, Where did your love for music come from?
1: Well, music had always been a part of my life. My dad is a musician. He's, he was always very active in music growing up. His, his mother, my grandmother, was a pianist, and actress, and she really you know showed him just his passions in music. He got into piano. He started playing bass. And then growing up, my sister and I, my younger sister and I, we were constantly involved in music with dad. So he'd take us on long car rides and teach mm. us the Do Re Mi's. And, you know, we were learning solfege. We were learning about harmony. We would listen to songs. He would play a lot of music from like the 60s and the 70s. And for example, you know, he'd play a lot of the music from the Beatles and he would ask a question, you know, how many people are singing right now? Just one or two? And so he was trying to help us decipher, you know, harmony and just someone singing by themselves So little things like that, you know, music was just a part of our life. It was constantly going in one ear and out the other. And we were involved in choir in like elementary school, just kind of kids choir and middle school. I started really getting into choir and singing and getting better at just recognizing music and looking at sheet music and learning harmony and learning how to balance. Right. And so all of these things really helped develop me as the composer I am today and the musician I am today. But I would say it wasn't until I was about 15 that I started uh, piano, just kind of casually. My dad had played and I said, could you teach me piano? I I heard him playing the Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin. It's like a really popular, well-known piece. And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. So he says, here are your scales, here are your chords. So just go crazy. And then all through high school, I was just kind of playing here and there, you know, it was casual. I, my first song was Imagine by John Lennon. That's was just like a really easy piano piece I learned. And, and then word got out in my high school that I, started, that I played piano and I wasn't playing very well at the time. But a friend of mine, John King, invited me to be in his band. It was like a southern rock kind of blues band. And I was in my senior year of high school and I just said, eh, sure, why not? So I joined the band and we started immediately playing shows like we were going to bars and going to restaurants and playing these shows. And it was completely out of my comfort zone, but you know, we had a lot of sessions in his garage and practicing, and I just got better at improvising and learning to think on my feet and learning about chord structures, harmonies, and uh, really taking a lot of what I had learned as a child and bringing that into my piano. And then I went to college and I had no intention of, of, studying music in college. I I was going to do a minor in it. I was not going to major in it, I should have said. Music was always going to be on the side of my life. I never intended to make it the full thing. I continued playing the band. Um, Long story short, I got a degree in Spanish. I got a master's degree in government with the intention of being like a diplomat, like a foreign diplomat. But then a few years after after I got my, my undergraduate degree and while I was in grad school, I was Found myself writing music, playing music, playing piano, booking gigs, just started happening. And then that's whenever the shift just was, and I thought, hey, I can actually do this. And that was, I think, when I made the switch to like just music was almost 10 years ago, it was about 2013, whenever I left, you know, just kind of the, the, the dream of being in a corporate life or working in a big business. I was I was working in the King and Queen buildings in Sandy Springs at the time. I was a translator, mm-hmm. and uh, then I got like a small part time job as a choir director in a church. And then a little bit later, Christ the King found me, and I started working as the accompanist there. And said, "I'm just going to leave everything and just be the accompanist." So then from there, everything just started happening.
0: Yeah, I had no idea you were in the King and Queen building. I had some time in the Queen building coming out of grad school.
1: Yeah. We'll I was to 23rd, talk about that. Yeah. 23rd floor, queen building. Yeah, um, It was, it was cool. I mean, it was, it was right after college. And of course I was just bright eyed and mystified that I are just amazed that I got this job right out of college mm. and I was working in grad school. I was in grad school at the time and the job was great. You know, I was not a good employee. I will tell you that I was not a good employee. I did, I did well. Okay. I was fine with my, translating I was good with people but in terms of like you know I just hated sitting in a cubicle all day I couldn't my mind wandered I started working on my website a lot started booking gigs doing non-work stuff at work truth be told you know two years later I got fired from that job they said you're doing too much music stuff we found all this stuff on your computer so you're out of here oh yeah and it was (laughs) was quite a shock I was like 22 20 I can't remember Mm -hmm. but I was so young and and entitled and like, oh, how could they have done this to me? But then I thought, well, I took all these long lunch breaks and like didn't really do my work and I slacked off a lot, but you know, I got what I deserved. But I think that was one of the best things that ever happened to
0: me. No, same for me. I've been fired once in my life too, at a very early age, um, in my twenties, but it set my course to go to grad school and the rest is history, as they say. So not necessarily, not necessarily a bad thing. It's about what you do with it.
1: Mm-hmm. And how you understand. how you see it. I mean, at the time it was just, de- it was devastating. Mm-hmm. But now I've looked at it in a completely different light. And I've, because at the time I was like, I'm the best employee. Why would they do this to me? Why did, Why would they do this to me? But now, now I think if I were my boss, I would have fired me way sooner.
3: So I feel that to be true with most entrepreneurial spirits or free spirits. We're not good employees, quote unquote. So definitely get it. And we often get that push that in the moment feels devastating. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is where I was supposed to go. Got it. So that's why I say life's a journey, right? For Mm -hmm. sure. So, of course, the piano moving through college, making that decision. Now, coming out of that, getting fired, bright eyed, bushy tailed about your music career, your music path. Right. Having kind of made that decision. When was the point that you realized? I've got to treat this like a business if I'm going to be successful with marketing, financing, contracts, etc. When did all that click?
1: Let's see. Well, it was a slow learning process. Whenever I was on my own and you know, a single, I wasn't married yet, and I was. I think I did well. I started getting into social media, and I started really getting into email marketing, and I, I got I got good with it. Right. I I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed you know sharing my life online, sharing my productions online. And I, with every album that I released, I put it together a really strong email campaign, a good social media campaign. I would plan my own concerts. And I mean, what I would do is I would call the venue and say, can I have this date? And they'd say, yes, you're booked. And that was way before I'd even written music for the album, way before i had even had the idea of the album. But I just said, okay, there's my pressure. So I have to do this now. I am on the books. I've paid a deposit. I am on their books, right? So I worked well by pressure, right? So I was just, I, I like putting myself in situations where I had to force myself to do things. And the creative side, I enjoyed, you know, the creative side, I like taking my time with that. But at some point I did realize like, I'm going to really have to figure out if I want to book more gigs, if I want to find more followers, then I'm going to have to put myself out there somewhere, you know, and it wasn't until later in doing that for years and years, I was doing gigs. A lot like, you know, um, I, I met my wife. I'm going to, my wife is an important part of this story, right? So I met my wife, Sarah, back in 2016, 15, excuse me. And, you know, she was very supportive of my career. At that time, I was working, you know, at the church. I was just part time accompanist there and doing gigs as much as many as like three to five gigs a weekend, you know, Friday night gig, a Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, church and everything. And then sometimes during the week, I was trying to teach as well. So it was just the freelance life, the hustle, right? But in doing all of that, I was talking to Sarah a lot about it. Just came, you know, talking about what my process was, and she is a very like business mindset, right? And she really helped me learn a lot, especially about writing contracts. Contracts are my favorite thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> yes, they are. They true because you know you, you have and and you have to protect yourself. I try and say this to a lot of you know musicians who are interested in getting into it, right? I'm like, yes, the talent there, you have to be, you have to be somewhat talented. You don't really don't have to be the best. I'm not the best pianist, not the best pianist in Atlanta, not the best pianist. No, I am not. On a scale of one to 10, I'd say on a good day, I'm like a solid six and a half, you know, and that's speaking realistically based on where my skills are and whatever but what i'm really good at is the business side and i've got you know the experience of working on my own but also my wife is very very conscious of like saying well if you you know book a gig and they say they're going to pay you x amount of dollars for this time frame then where's the agreement in that? is it just seems like it's up in the air is anything set in stone is anything do you have anything to protect you in case they cancel you and i said no it's all just in good faith bad choice Bad choice, right? And I, and I hate to say that, right? The good faith method is really not a good method, especially for a gigging musician like myself. So, for example, I played a wedding one time where I showed up at when I was supposed to show up. I played thirty minutes of prelude before the ceremony, and then it was like five o'clock when the ceremony should have started, and the ceremony didn't start until like six forty-five. So here I am just jamming out the entire time. The family's getting restless. They're looking around, you know, and then finally they come out, right? And I kicked myself because I didn't have a contract. I had no agreement set up. It was just, you know, here's how much you owe me and that's all I got, right? But I was there for three times as long as I thought I would be Whenever you know, but whenever I was talking a lot with Sarah and she was really helping me develop like the business, you know, side of things, like really concrete stuff. The more I was doing contracts, the more I was taking it from that angle, the more gigs I was booking and the more good kind of gigs I was booking. And what I mean by that is that if people hire me and say, Hey, can you come and play, you know, Saturday from seven to nine at our party? I'm like, okay, so here's the contract. Here's the deposit due date. Here's the balance due date. Here's this, 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 this. And if you just give them all those things, it's a, it's respect that they give them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. This is, you know, it's the word is professional, right? The word is professional because if it's kind of loosey goosey, no problem. Then that means if they make a change or whatever, they're going to treat it like that. Loosey goosey, no problem. But if it's very clear you know, It's kind of like if you hire someone to come in and work on your house, they're going to give you a contract, right? They're going to give you a rough time when they start, whatever. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that about all contractors. Sometimes it gets a little hairy, right? But you know what I mean? And in doing that, then I really started getting a lot more gigs that I, that I enjoyed. And I was, you know, getting, I was more satisfied with, what I was making on those gigs, and I felt like I was building just a better profile for myself. And you know, whenever people book someone that they respect, they're more likely to share that person to someone else who's looking for a pianist or looking for a composer or a music director or whatnot. So that's a very long-winded answer to your to your question.
0: Yeah, but I would say the overarching theme is that behind every good man is a is a great woman. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I tell you,
1: and even now, I mean, I've been doing. I've been doing this for a long time now, I feel right. And, uh, and it's, it's a lot of hard work, but still I find myself going to my wife saying like, mm-hmm. this? what do you think about this? And she, she says, no, you need to do this and this. And if they don't book you, then move on. Something else will come along. And sure enough, she's right. Every single time, you know, there have been many gigs that I've like lost out on because either the client was like, oh, that's that that doesn't work for us or that's too much, or they just didn't like, they're not into contracts, whatever. Then I'll say, okay, well then you can find someone else, you know, in the nicest, most professional way possible. But that's okay because like she said, other things have turned up where I have been treated kindly because it's all about respect. It's it's respect because if you respect them, they respect you. You know, I've never breached a contract. I've always shown up on time. So it's, it's really, it's a very, you know, it's, it's respect. It's respect.
0: That's one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs that are getting started is to say the word no. Mm-hmm. You know, because every opportunity they see the potential for revenue or cash coming in the door, which mm-hmm. everybody knows they need, particularly as a startup. And so the tendency is to always say, yes, 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 to get the opportunity for that revenue to be coming in when it's not really a good fit and causes more angst than it really deserves. True. Because part of your work comes to how you are feeling when you
1: approach the gig. Mm -hmm. And if you're walking into it with a bad attitude or you're upset about, I felt like I was mistreated, then you're not going to be giving the client the product that you have tried to craft for years and years and years. Because part of your product is not just how, for me, not just how I play, but how I act, my personality. That's you know, just as important as the music that I make is my personality, my bubbliness, you know, how I treat, you know, and I'm not saying like I'm a monster when I come in and I'm not, you know, and upset about a gig. Right. But if it's, it's all internal, right. Like it really does, you know, affect you. And it's, it's, it's very disheartening whenever you, you know, agree to a gig that you're like, I don't, I don't really know if I should do this. And it's kind of like, if you go to a store and you're like, I don't know if this shirt is really that great, but I'll buy it anyway, you know? Well, my wife says, Hey man, if you don't want to book this, don't book it, just move on, you know?
0: So one of the subjects that Zach and I like to talk uh, about quite a bit is creativity. So how do you get into a creative mode or mindset when you say, okay, it's time to start working on a new album or do something in terms of the program at church or anything of that nature. Do you have a ritual or a, Mindset you have to get into. Does it just come naturally, like eh, not a big deal? You grab the cat, throw the cat on top of the top of the piano, and go. All right, let's just start it because it just comes so naturally for you. Or is it like work for you to get get yourself into that mindset and start those creative juices flowing, so to speak, to to create your product?
1: A good answer to that is it's a mixture of everything. Sometimes it just Happens, but I will say, and you had mentioned, you'd kind of mentioned it earlier, is that you have to make time. You really do every day. A simple analogy is if you're a lumberjack and you have an axe and you're constantly booking work to go chop down trees, but you never stay at home and sharpen your axe, then it's going to get worse and worse and worse, right? So, for example, if I have a, a gig opportunity at an, uh, some weekend, I'm like, no, I'd rather, I'd much rather put off that gig that may be very well, you know high paying or whatever, but I'd much rather stay home and dedicate four to five hours or three to four hours or whatever to create. And I have no distractions. I have, you know, is it's scheduling creative time. I I literally put it on the calendar creation time, writing Mm -hmm. time, you know, and even if nothing comes out of it or 10 seconds of music come out of three hours of work, that's 10 seconds more music than you had before you have to think about that. And you have to think about even when you're not necessarily creating something that's like, like you're not creating jewels or a lot of good music, whatever, the fact that you are pushing your brain to tell yourself, let's try this, let's try this. That's the practice. That's the practice of being creative. And if you set aside time to do that, I mean, it's exactly what I do with the church. I set time. I mean, I have my working hours where I sit down and I plan, I've got my hymnal, I've got the Bible, I've got my gospel lessons up here and you really have to plan. And sometimes it's not going to be the greatest thing, seriously. But as long as you make that time, you not only get into the practice of how to create, but you get into the practice of making time to create. So it's it's a good balance, but sometimes you're right. It just, I wake up in the morning, there's like a melody in my head. I've got like, I got, got, I got to run to the piano and write something down. Or if I'm in the middle of doing some, just catching up on emails, I'll be listening to music and I'll, I'll like what I hear. And I'm like, I kind of want to try and write something like this and I'll jam mm-hmm. around. And then sure enough, something original comes out of it. You know?
0: Yes. We um, always say creativity is a muscle, right? So we, as human beings are born with muscles, you're born with creativity, but you can either sit on the couch and just let your muscles waste away Or like you said, take some dedicated time, go to the gym every day, work those muscles, so to speak, for your creativity. And you're going to create more value in the world with your music because you're keeping those muscles strong and available to you whenever you need it, whenever you get into a creativity mode from that perspective. And I always bristle when somebody tells me they're not a creative person. I'm like, yes, you are. You're a creative person. You're just not building your muscles. Mm Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you're not dedicating any time and or any energy towards it. Yeah, you know, when you come out of the gate, you know, you're not going to be a Picasso with that painting. But you keep working at it and keep building up those muscles like you're in the gym, and eventually, you still may not be a Picasso, but you're going to have a much better product out of it mm-hmm. from spending your time with the canvas and the painting than you did when you originally started. Mm-hmm. Well, it fills the soul
1: too. I mean, that's yeah. that's I, I love creating, even if it's something I'm not ultimately happy with in the end just the the fact that I got to sit down and just write music i mean that's just therapy in a way you know
3: so i mean one piece i love that you hit on is you know blocking off that time i feel like a lot of a lot of our audience since we all more business oriented to that fact a lot of people forget to have a highly effective schedule and to say that i even do this in my music is huge because otherwise you're, you know, a lot of times you just drift and then nothing gets done. So I love that. But let me ask you this too, John, being Grammy nominated, how has that affected your your music career, your business, your life? How, what has that done for you?
1: Well, it's definitely a nice uh, title to put on my name, I'll be honest. But I, I will say this, that when I got nominated, some people ask, have you booked like a ton of more work yet? And I'm like, not necessarily. It's not something you see in the short term. I think in the long term, yes, it's really gotten me a lot of a lot of work and a lot of the type of work that I want. You know, like I'm I'm a composer, and I'm getting more opportunities to compose because people see that, like, oh wow, this guy has some credits to his name. He has a Grammy nomination, and that with that, not only comes people respect his music, but people respect his his professionalism. He's very good at marketing. I mean, that's where it really came down to was the Grammy nomination was, I was honored that people listened and said this music is worthy of that and so they voted i mean that that alone will just that has lifted me up right but a lot of it came down from marketing i was up every night for weeks for hours and then, uh, every night just sending emails marketing getting it out there and listening to a lot of music so but the biggest thing that the grammy nomination has done is that the grammy nomination was more internal It helped. It was a voice saying to me, like, what you're doing is really good and you should keep doing it. People believe in you. So it's a legitimizing kind of like, hey, I'm it, or yeah, legitimizing my music, legitimizing my career and uh, showing I mean, personally, yeah, sure. It's showing the world that like, Hey, I can do this. Like, look what I did. I, I got a Grammy nomination. Like clearly all the hard work I've put in, that was like my fifth or sixth album that got nominated. So I had done a lot more music before that. And uh, sometimes I was discouraged by like, Oh, this album didn't sell that well, or not a lot of people came to this concert, but when the nomination came through, it was very, just it filled the soul. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can, I can do this. I really can. And then from that, I mean, I was writing solo piano music only and the Grammy nominations told me, it said, I think I'm start ready to start writing for other music, other instruments too. Mm-hmm. So after that album that got nominated, I released this album called Superstratum, and I did a whole concert. I wrote for strings, winds, percussion, guitar, uh, and piano on, on that. And we had a concert and it was like, we sold out that concert. And so that concert success came from my motivation that the grammy nomination
0: gave yeah so for those that are out there considering getting into music business as an entrepreneur what do you feel like is the most important i'll call it critical success factor where where do you have to do some process or activity very well to be successful in the industry is it is it the work product itself and the creativity around it? Is it marketing? Is it personal brand? Is it, it financing?
1: Is. It's 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 a lot of those things, but I would say the biggest thing, and it comes down, to it the biggest thing is your brand, is what mm. makes you stand out. Is you know there are a lot of great musicians out there, a lot of great singers, a lot of great pianists. I'll be honest with you my album origin that was nominated for best new age album it's a solo piano album so the Grammy Academy threw it into the best new age I actually didn't even submit for best new age I submitted for best contemporary instrumental but they moved it into best new age and a lot of solo piano music in general right is very ambient soft you know helps you just it's very you know that's that's the goal of it that's what it's a lot of it has always been, but if you listen to my album origin, it is not that like some songs of it. Yes. Are kind of contemplative and, and softer and more ambient, but a lot of it is just me banging the hell out of a piano because mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. I said, this is my sound. This is what the sound I want to make. And a lot of people who voted, you know, in the, in the Grammys. And they said like, I really think your album is, is great because it's not necessarily new age. Like it's, it's, this is what new age should be it's new and it's it's loud it's exciting it's energetic and that is part of my brand because that's my personality right my music is my personality mm-hmm. and if folks can go and listen to my music and say oh you know that's great like look you can go on Instagram and look at all these great singers and that's awesome and they they can you in every single one they're talented but you're not going to remember all of them. you're only going to remember the ones that stick out. So what about you makes you stick out? you know And sure, you can be you know on top of the financing and the you know the contracts and the professionalism and the creativity. that's all important. Every single musician needs that, but it truly does come down to your brand and understanding that your personality is just as important as your product. I mean, that's, that's been one of my biggest learning lessons is, is your personality. You're going to remember people who have like big boisterous personalities and, and, or are they like really smooth and they're like, cool. Like you ever been around someone? They're like, God, you're just cool, man. You know, you just, there's something about them that that's their brand that sticks out, you know, are they putting out good content? And is it really specifically branded content to themselves?
0: You know? Yeah. I have to be quite honest when you, you, First came out, or you announced that you were Grammy nominated. Then I heard the category. Have you, having been to your concerts and hearing the type music that you've composed or created, I was like, "What? New Age? No, exactly. <laughs> not, not seeing it. Not seeing. It. I was I was completely shocked.
1: You know. And when uh, they put me what category, you were in. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I put me when they put me in a New Age, I said. Whatever. I don't care. I'll still try and go for it. You know, whether they put me in a contemporary instrumental or best spoken word or new age or whatever, rock and I don't whatever category I was in, I was going to try my hardest to, to really, you know, market it. But but you're right. And there were a lot of people that that agreed and some folks got a little angry, but whatever. You know, it's just, you just gotta, you had to find a way to stick out. And maybe that was my, that. maybe that was part of it was that I was in this category where my music didn't really fit.
0: Yeah. So I know you went out to LA for the, for the ceremony and got to rub elbows with some folks who, who are you the most excited to be able to rub elbows with and have a conversation with while you're out there?
1: This guy named Adam Barry. He's the one who won the best new age album, mm. uh, nomination he was part of a group called white sun and they have they're comprised of adam a composer guru jess who's a singer and she's also a very popular teacher of like a uh, type of yoga it's like kundalini i cannot remember the name of it but and then another yoga instructor like very well-known yoga instructors but they're also musical adam was like a composer for them um and they made really wonderful music that is like very awesome new age it's like Wonderful music. But I talked with Adam a lot because he has a very, you know, strong history of of work. He had he had two enemies already. He actually got his he started working with the directors of South Park and composed the first two seasons of South Park. And so I talked with him a lot, talked about, you know, your writing style and kind of your process and your connecting. And he was just such a wonderful, genuine person. I mean, mm-hmm. his whole group were amazing, the kindest people. So Adam, Adam Barry, he's a, uh, he's a very talented guy. He currently scores for uh, a lot of popular kids shows like Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. He's done, uh, f- done other films. And of course he does more product projects with White Sun, uh, really great guy you know and a lot of people ask you know did you rub elbows with anyone famous and i'm like i walked past patton o'swalt and i didn't realize it was him until like 5 minutes after i was like that was patton o'swalt just sitting by himself but what's more important to me is to to meet people who are experienced and who have been in the- the industry for a long time. I didn't care about how famous someone was. I cared more about, hey, like, tell me about your experience, like working in the studio, who you worked with or what you've done or where your inspirations come from. That was way more important to me. So I always, you know, when people ask, did you meet anybody famous? I'm like, nah. <laughs> no, I met people who just, you, you may not know their names, but in their industry, they are famous. You know what I mean? Like well-known well if producers.
0: I, if I remember right, you're the new age category is very early in the day when the TVs aren't on and those type things that the, the true big time celebrities were much later in the day. So you probably didn't have an opportunity to, to meet her.
1: No, I've had most of them, right? Yeah. I, so there were two ceremonies, the pre-ceremony, yeah. I walked through the red carpet and like, there weren't a lot of people there. It was just me and some other folks and producers and whatnot. It was cool. I got interviewed, and they like took my photo, and there was like a little crowd clapping afterward, and it was it was cool. So I got that experience. I could have gone back to to walk the red carpet when all the big celebrities were there and everything, but yeah, I went out and grabbed lunch with some friends. It was great. So, what do you
0: consider yourself—a musician or an entrepreneur? Hmm.
1: Or both? I guess I would have to say both. I mean, truly, like. The entrepreneurial side is that came second. I'm going to say that Mm -hmm. came second because at at the beginning, you know, the reason I, I wrote this music is because I just love playing music. I love writing music. And truthfully, when I wrote my first album, I didn't care if anyone listened to it. I just loved writing it. I was inspired by George Winston. He's a really popular pianist. He did a lot of great solo piano albums that I just loved in college. And I was like, I want to write something like this. So That's where it started. And that's where for a lot of musicians it starts. And that's where it should start, really, is that it fills my soul. And the rest just kind of, you know, came. You know, I mean, I'm a musician more at heart, but eventually I I got onto the entrepreneurial side and said I can actually make a living doing this. And yeah, yeah, that answers your question. So, John, what would you
3: say being a musical entrepreneur? We'll label it that (laughs) with that combination, but of course, behind you is an amazingly strong woman. Same for me in my business. Thank God for her. But what would you say is the hardest part being in the space you are in? What's the hardest part of running your business?
1: Hardest part of running my business is just, you know, staying motivated and believing in your, in your work, believing in yourself. I mean, there are a lot of times where I'm you know, constantly feeling down. And I admit I, you know, I'm, I'm on social media. I compare myself to other musicians who are younger than me, more successful, have more followers. I get totally sucked into that. And it's just not right. And then you have to tell yourself a lot, you know, don't compare, don't compare what they have is great, but it is not what you have. Therefore you should not compare Right. And that's, that's, that's the hardest thing is just staying motivated. But I mean, it goes back to having like a wonderful, a wonderful partner in your life. And my wife is that for me, it's, and my family is very supportive. You know, they're, they're constantly pushing me, constantly believing me, but it truly comes down, you know, can you push past all of the self, just deprecation, the the comparing yourself and, and, and can you actually listen to your partner who is saying like, and cause look, it's not the John show with my wife. It's, it's, I love it, you know, because she says, okay, that's great. But X, Y, and Z, and you truly need to think about these things. And here, sometimes I come to her expecting like this, oh, that's awesome. And while she's not necessarily, she doesn't like she, she, you know, she likes my music, right? She's told me that, but she also says, that's great, but make sure you do these things. And it's because I am, you know, cause a lot of the times I'm like, I want to get angry. I'm like, I get my ego gets hurt. And I'm like, ah, you yeah, know, but I thought you'd be, you know, but no, it's because she's coming. I'm, the reason I come to her is because she gives me real, tangible things to do that are going to help me be more successful. And it's because of her, truly, it's because of her that we've had so much more success in in my music, in my career, and in just our own lives. I mean, we're we're homeowners, and we're we're thankful of that, and that's come from a lot of hard work right? We have, we're able to take care of our, our child. We're able to live, you know, comfortable life. And uh, she's constantly having me with every project. I'm always trying to up one up that project. You know, if you just kind of go for, you know, like, Oh, this is my sound. This is my style. And I'm going to stay on the same level. You're just going to be stagnant and there's no innovation there. But with every project that I make, you know, I like going to her and saying, Hey, what do you think of this? Like, You know, and I, and sometimes even I want you to, I want her to say like, I want you to poke holes in this, like find where I can be better, find where I can really make this more intense, more meaningful or, or whatever, you know? So it's, it's, it's the willingness to listen to that and apply it while believing in yourself and believing in your product. You know, you have to like what you make, you know?
3: Mm -hmm. So, so we follow up on that real quick out because Again, very similar, similar, a lot of similarities. So if I could speak English, that'd be great. But, but no. So, outside of the external forces, John, I mean, what kind of things have you practiced when you do get into those, those down areas, those troughs, if you will, within yourself about your product or things like that? What what kind of practices do you use internally to to get out of that and get back on your on your horse, if you will? I write or I
1: play. I sit down and I have. I go to the piano or I get on my computer and I start writing some things with no intention of releasing whatever I've just made, no intention of it. You know, I, I sit down, I play. And a lot of the times that's, that's really why I enjoy my job as a music director at a church. Cause I get that every Sunday, you know, I get to just not like just strip away all the pressures and and play. And, and just like, especially whenever we do kind of more that contemporary worship and everything. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I lean more toward traditional worship. I I personally like that, but sitting down and, and reminding myself, remember why you got into this. You didn't get into this to gain followers. You didn't get into this to make money. You didn't get into this to even get a Grammy nomination. You got into it just because you like the feeling that music gives you. And so Like I just, just the other week I was having a down day, but I just told my wife, I said, I'm just going to go write music for a little bit. You know, I'm just going to go sit down. And I did it for like an hour. Sure enough, I was a new person outside of it. And what I wrote was crap. I I, I don't, but I didn't care. You know, there were some nuggets in there that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go back and fix I, I like that. I like that. You know, it's going back to the reason why you got into it and just doing it,
3: you know, I think that comment right there is gold for a lot of people. So
0: I'm the same way John. I mean I'm pulling out the guitar and strumming it or put on some music and sing along with it. Music is always my get me out of the trough in the bad mood. It mm-hmm. just has that magic.
1: Well there are no numbers to that. Like when you it's numbers that stress people out. They're like mm-hmm. I got to write this much music. I got to have this many followers. I got to make this much money on this. There's always these these like limits that they have to to, to cross and while that's fine in some you know areas you know that's great to have those those goals that's how you set goals but you're right andy is i like stripping away all the pressure and just completely getting lost in music that's that's that revitalizes you know me and after those times i'm just kind of like okay now i'm ready to get onto the wagon to get onto the entrepreneur wagon to get back on the business wagon i'm gonna i'm gonna go do a post on social media i'm gonna you know, put something out there, or I'm gonna go write something. and you know what I do is I just release albums. I love releasing music. I love putting out music. Not only is it, you know, I love, of course, I love the external, you know praise. and obviously, I have an ego, and I have to feed my ego, right? from external, you know, whatever, because that's just who I am, but I like building a portfolio. and I like, you know, just changing what I do and throwing in a new element here, and new element there to challenge my creativity. But, Sometimes you can just get that from just noodling at the piano or or whatever.
0: So John, Zach, and I greatly appreciate you coming today onto the podcast and sharing your story and your valuable time and so forth. But Zach and I have a um, way we always end up our conversations with guests onto the show, and that's by asking a single question. that question is, what do the words "generate your value" mean to you? Generate
1: your value. I would say first understand what your value is. And that's a hard question to answer, but you know, my value is that I'm a composer. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of the times I, I was, I thought like, I'm a pianist, I'm a pianist, I'm a pianist, I'm a pianist. But you know, I, I love the feeling that piano gives me, but it's more fulfilling when I compose and when I score and when I create something. So my value is my creation. And so when I, to generate that, I've just got to do it. I've just got to do it. You know, and a lot of the times I'm down on myself because I say my, I say, I'm a, I'm a composer. I like to compose, but I'll do a whole week and I haven't written a single note. I'm like, how am I, how am I being a composer? How am I doing this? You know, it goes back to where we, what we just talked about. I mean, what do I, what do I do when I'm really down is uh, I just go and create. And when you generate, I would say, generate your value is to, Constantly work on that. Have time to, to create your value or excuse me, to build your value and make sure it matters to you here before you can start to really share it out to the world. You know, there's a reason I shared it out to the world because I believed in it. I wasn't just gonna throw it into the wind and hope something sticked it sticks because that's just not how it works. You know, so generate your value, I would say is. Generate, your. I would say, maybe just add one more word, generate your value, your, maybe generate your value internally first, I guess, you know, and then the rest is just, is gravy.
3: So, I mean, that that's amazing. Again, no wrong answers, but I think that's dead on. So, John, we appreciate you coming on, spending time with us this morning, giving our audience some insight and having a conversation with us, you know, and to our audience, thank you for spending time with us as well. We do hope this has generated value for you. And if you can think of anybody that this would generate value for, give it a share, like, follow by the subscribe button. Again, we always say that's spelled wrong, but follow us on this journey that we're trying to generate more value through.
0: Yeah. And I would say to finish up that creativity is so important in that ability to generate value in the world, whether it's creativity in your relationships, creativity in your business, creativity within your community and so forth so it's a muscle out there go out there strengthen your creativity muscle help yourself in generating value in in the world that surrounds you 360 and just watch how your world blossoms and grows in your life so that being said thank you once again for joining us on the podcast in this particular episode have a great week have a great day we'll see you next tuesday
2: and take care Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode.
3: You can find me online on Instagram at The Facebook, and LinkedIn.
2: For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for generate your value on those platforms.
3: Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast and we invite you to generate your value in this world.